Well, people of God, we are continuing in a sermon series on wilderness times. Can't imagine that that would apply to any of our lives. Ha ha. And our passage comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, beginning at verse 17. When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst, I will open rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will put in the wilderness the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive. I will set in the desert the cypress, the plain and the pine together, so that all may see and know, all may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. During our shelter-at-home time a couple months ago, I decided I would take on a little project at home, and I would go to the corner of my front yard that had these little scraggly bushes, and I had been meaning to redo it, so I dug up those scraggly bushes, and I planted some greenery, and then in the middle, as sort of the centerpiece for that corner of the yard, I planted this beautiful, weeping Japanese maple. The tree had these red, brilliant leaves that just sort of rained down from the tree. And every time I would go past it or, or I would go to water it, I would talk to the little tree and tell it how beautiful it was and how much joy it brought me. And then about 10 days ago, on one of those hot July days, I got up early in the morning and went out to water my maple tree, and I found a hole. Someone during the night or early in the morning had come with a shovel, dug up my maple tree, and stole it. And as you can imagine, I was angry that someone would do that. I was sad. I felt like weeping for the joy that it brought me. But ultimately, I realized there was nothing I could do. I couldn't try to replant in the middle of the blazing heat of July. And I couldn't call the police and tell them to track down my little maple tree. All I could do was learn to live with the hole for as long as it takes. And as I thought about that, it, be, it began to seem to me that it was a, a symbol, a representation of this time in which we are living 
in which we all find ourselves in the midst of a hole in our lives where we can't do the things we want to do and go the places we want to go. We can't live the lives we want to live, but we have to dwell in the midst of this kind of hole in our lives. And there's really nothing that we can do about it. And so when we turn to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is this story of people in exile. It's this story of people who can't worship the way they want to worship or live the way they want to live or go the places that they want to go. It's these people who are in a difficult time who have this giant hole in their lives and there is nothing they can do to fill it. You will remember that after King Solomon, the people of God split. They couldn't decide, agree upon one leader. And so they split into two. And first, in 721 B.C., the northern kingdom was taken into exile by the Assyrians. Now, really, the first part of Isaiah is by the Isaiah we think of that's talking about that exile of the northern kingdom into Assyria. Later on, in 586 B.C., the southern kingdom suffers the same fate they are taken into exile by the Babylonians. And that's the last part of Isaiah. So in other words, Isaiah is actually made up of some different authors over time that is weaving together this narrative about what happens to God's people how bad things come to God's people, how there are difficult times, how there are holes in our lives. It's not just this group of people or that. It's all people sooner or later are faced with these kinds of difficult situations and either turn their hearts and their lives toward the living God or find it very hard to navigate through these difficult places. Isaiah tells the story of what you often hear me say, that the Bible is as much about the difficult places that human beings go through as it is about God's constancy and God's ability to walk with us no matter what we are going through. The Bible doesn't give us a narrative of if you believe in God, everything will be great. You will be healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's the gospel according to Benjamin Franklin. That's not our Bible, which says that difficult times come, but God stays with us. There are all these saints in the history of the Christian faith who give us these great examples of how all of us go through these difficult times in our lives, uh, these holes that exist. Uh, you know, it may be that we lose a loved one. It may be that we uh, suffer uh, an illness. It could be we lose a job. It could be that something is happening to our children. It could be 
a number of different things that happen in our lives that create this difficult time, this hole that we feel like we can't get out of. And of course, we know during those times, other members of the community of faith usually come and sit with us and walk with us. I mean, that's Job, right? Job has these terrible things to happen. He's in this really bad place, and his friends come and sit with him. They don't always say the right things, mind you. (laughs) They are sometimes like way out in left field. But they are with him, helping him navigate through this difficult time. One of the my favorite saints in the Christian faith is St. John of the Cross, who was a 16th century Carmelite priest. Uh, He was a mystic. In any case, uh, the Carmelites, of course, were a religious order who lived a certain way of life. And he and Teresa of Avila, who was a nun in the Carmelite order, both felt that that group of religious people were not following really the teachings of the faith, that they had strayed from them, that their values and practices weren't what they should be. And so in 16th century Spain, they decided that they were going to help reform the Carmelites and put them back on track. Well, probably to nobody's surprise, And there were a lot of uh, uh, St. John's brethren who didn't think that they needed to be reformed at all and weren't happy about it. And in fact, they end up kidnapping St. John. They imprison him literally in their monastery, lock him up in a small room, beat him, torture him, uh, feed him the most minimal possible uh, subsistence diet. It's terrible. All for a guy who is trying to listen to what God would want him to do, and he ends up imprisoned. Well, after about eight months, uh, St. John actually manages to escape from his imprisonment, runs and hides out with uh, the Carmelite sisters. And in fact, St. John is remembered for writing this beautiful spiritual poetry and these writings. Well, one of the most important things that have come out of uh, St. John of the Cross is the idea of the dark night of the soul. Where, where St. John says sometimes you're, you're in this hole, you're in this difficult place, and you actually can't feel the presence of God. You don't, you're asking, where is God? You don't have any experience of God moving in your life, and yet God is closer to you than your own heartbeat. God is working on you and in you in ways you can't even see or feel. And so you continue to walk by faith to do the things that God calls you to do, knowing that God hasn't abandoned you, but in fact God is at work in you and with you. That's the case again with Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who we all have heard about, uh, this Albanian sister religious nun, who as a young woman heard God say to her, you need to go to Calcutta. You need to work with the poorest of the poor. You need to work among the sick and the dying in the streets of India. You you need to give your life over 
to these poor people. And she went. And, of course, she received the Nobel Prize. She was uh, uh, revered around the world. People would make pilgrimages to Calcutta to sit at the feet of Mother Teresa. And then, after she passed on, her letters were made public. And she had asked that they be destroyed. Because what her letters revealed was from the time she went to Calcutta, following obedient to God's call upon her life, she felt nothing but the absence of God. She didn't experience God's nearness. She didn't experience or feel this love of God. She felt nothing and wondered where God was for decades. And what's so remarkable is that she kept doing those things that God had called her to do. Why why would they not destroy the letters? Because what a witness to say that she can't even experience the living God, but she's going to serve him with everything she's got. Most of us couldn't even imagine a day among the poor who are sick and dying in the streets, and she did it for decades. You know, the promises of God are not that it's all unicorns and rainbows. The promises of God are that I am with you and I will empower you to do what I need you to do, to be the people I need you to be. You will go through difficult times, but you don't quit. You stay on this journey. And one of the things that's particularly interesting about this time in which we are living and about the book of Isaiah is that this hole that we are in, that they are in, is a communal reality. Most of the times we go through something and other people will walk with us, but they aren't there in the hole. They're trying to pull us out. But in a time of COVID, in a time of exile, we are all in this difficult place. We are all constrained from worshiping the way we want to worship. None of us can go freely wherever we want to go, do whatever we want to do. There are things that we are missing and people that we are missing, and there is nothing we can do about it. Oh, sure, we can say, oh, none of this is real. We can try and flee from exile, but even if you get away, who you got with you? No one. How are you going to live? You're on your own. And I read just this morning about a 30-year-old young man in Texas who went to one of these insane COVID parties in Texas because he thought the virus was a hoax. And he has died of COVID-19. Right? You can act as if it's not real, but that doesn't make it any less real. You can act as if we aren't living in this, this hole, in this difficult place, but it doesn't make it any less real. 
But you see what Isaiah says to the people in the midst of their exile is this. Take comfort because I am with you. I am working for your good. I love you. I have never abandoned you and I won't abandon you now. But God also says this. You've got to wait and hope in me. You can't fill these holes yourself. You can't try and put something in there to make it all right. It won't work that way. You have to trust in me and walk by faith day by day for as long as it takes till we get back to the promised land. It's the message of Isaiah. Exile comes. Things happen. And we must trust in the living God and continue to walk day by day, trusting that God will lead us to a place that takes those rough roads and makes it smooth, that takes that dry, dusty place and brings in springs of water that wash across it that takes the holes in our lives and fills them in, planting beautiful trees, acacias and myrtles and Japanese maples. This last week, I read a memoir called Beauty in the Breaking by Michelle Harper. And she is an emergency room physician on the East Coast. She's an African-American woman who grew up in a middle-class home, but with an abusive, violent father from whom she was estranged for many years. She went to medical school, and as she finished those seven years in her residency and was about to move to another city, her husband said to her, I want a divorce. I need to find myself. And then as she was practicing medicine, though she loves the healing of patients, again and again those administrative bureaucratic realities would be soul-sucking instead of life-giving. I mean, she found herself in this kind of hole that she had to dig out of. And she talks about the Japanese art of kitsukiroi. I think it's kitsukiroi, which is taking pottery that has been broken and cracked and filling in those cracks with an epoxy that has gold or silver or platinum. It doesn't take away the broken places, but something beautiful emerges from where those cracks and holes have been. This is our story. We find ourselves broken in difficult places with holes in our lives. 
But God, the potter, is putting those pieces back together with gold and silver. God will bring something beautiful out of the difficult places in our lives. But we are called to walk by faith, to wait on God, hope in those promises that God will bring us to a land of milk and honey where we will be different but beautiful. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.